we have started our big new initiative. We've started this new series called Go Big. In fact, you see it right on the wall. Let's go big. You're going to see it for the next two years. Let's go big. We want to go big because you guys have bought 15 acres of property up on the north, in the northwest of Orlando, and we are now ready to take the next big step as a church to build a bigger building that will not only become much more useful for us and reach more people for Christ, but will be a better tool that we can hand on to our children. We are taking a journey to go big, and I believe this is probably one of the most important moments in the history of our church. This is the biggest thing we have ever done. And we're expecting that God is going to do big things through us. Hopefully this week you have decided to bring your notebook, your workbook with you. Did you bring your workbook with you? Awesome, awesome, awesome. If you forgot, uh, shame on you, I'm kidding. But bring your workbook every week. We gave them out last week. In fact, if you weren't here last week or if you didn't get one, if you want to put your hand up right now, we actually have some ushers that will give you a workbook. It's cool. It's only $300 to buy. I'm kidding. They'll give it to you for absolutely nothing. You can put your name in it right at the front there and um, it will tell you a lot about what we're doing where we're going what what is it we're trying to do why are we trying to do it and why are we doing it now why now why not later there's a lot of uh, text in there that will help you to take to understand what we're trying to do I am super excited with what we're doing put your name in it and I'm asking you to bring it with you every week we have four more weeks we started last week bring it every week Treat it like your second Bible so you don't forget it. Put it in your truck, put it in your car, put it in your bed, take it to a jacuzzi with you, take it to the gym with you, keep it close by you. The cool thing is we're doing this as not only just adults on a Sunday morning, we're doing it in youth group, we're even doing it in children's church. They've got their own little journal and if you've got kids um, uh, ask them about the journal that they've got and walk through the journal with them to help them to discover this journey that we're going through. And what we're doing is we're following this journey um, about Abraham. And by the way, if you're online right now, and you would love one of these uh, workbooks, we will absolutely send one to you. We have some online pastors on Facebook, on our website, wherever else that we are. I don't know where we are. But get in touch with us. Get in touch with one of the pastors that we'd love to pray with you. We would love to send you one of the workbooks as well so you can actually follow along in the journey that we are on. If you have your workbook with you, could you turn it to page 22? Page 22, and I'm going to quickly go through this. We went through it last week, but I'll very quickly go through this again. There are three things that we're asking for you to do. The first one is on there is to pray fervently. Why should we pray fervently? Because we can't do the things of God without the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter how much we give. It doesn't matter how much we know. If the Spirit of God is not in it and we're not empowered by the Spirit of God, we will never be able to do what God has called us to do. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news. That didn't happen until they had the move of the Spirit of God amongst them. And that didn't happen until they gathered together and they prayed. They dedicated themselves to praying. And so if, uh, even if the ushers are there as well, we're asking you to fill out a prayer card. Um, and they'll give you a prayer card right now. We have a prayer wall at the back. Think of that as our wailing wall. Don't wail there, but um, you can take your prayer card and we're asking you to write down what it is that you think God has put on your heart to pray for, for our church, for the city, for the future, for your family, whatever it is that God is calling you to pray for, we're asking you to put it down so that we can gather it together as a church and show the prayers that we're offering up to God. The prayers are so, so important. With whatever future we have, we must put that first. The second thing I'm asking you for is to grow purposely. 
That means I'm asking you to be 100% engaged. 100, I'm looking for everybody in this church. We're looking for 100% engagement of everybody in this church because it's a lot to do with not just what God can do through you, but what can God do in you? We firmly believe that God is looking to do something significant through each and every one of us. And so we're also asking you to be here on the journey for the next four weeks with us until we get to Commitment Sunday when we're actually gonna go and become generous. And of course, if you're not part of a small group, uh, go on our website, northwestorlando.com or go to the information desk at the back and ask about the small group because in this book, you'll see that we actually also have our teachings week by week, but we also have the questions that we're asking you to get into discussions with in your small group so we can all be on the same page. The last thing that is on that list there that we're asking you to do is to give generously. Now, what is it we're giving towards? Well, this is what we're giving towards, our new building, our new home, in order to have a much broader influence into our community from a better place, a more influential place, a much better tool. We believe that God has called us to do more. So we're meant to ask for more. Um, there's just another view. There's the inside, okay? You remember when you have to drink coffee outside because we don't have any air conditioning between the two buildings? Now you'll have air conditioning and you'll be able to do it inside and drink coffee even in the middle of summer. Jesus is good indeed. Okay. And look, there's a car park that's actually paved as well. Look at that. That's a Christmas miracle right there. You'll also see that there's lots of buildings in the background. We won't show you them all, but we're doing a phased approach and we really have a plan for the next 20 years of what we think God is calling us to do. I am super excited about that. So as we're looking at that, I want to, I want to also show you what we, look, what we were handed out to you last week and it was this commitment card. Now there is a picture of it in your booklet if you don't have one with you right now, but this is something that I wanna talk about. We know that we bring in about $900,000 a year. For some of you, that's a lot of money. For others, it's not a lot of money. But that's what we bring in over one year. In order to do what we're trying to do for the next two years, we would have to bring in $1.8 million. Now, what you give, you not only give to, to, to fund what we're doing here, we run the buildings, we staff our ministries, and all the amazing things we do, but you also give, and I want to thank you for this, you give to about eight different ministries, not just in Orlando, we do it locally, but we give to ministries that are even around the world. You are, you are giving generously into the kingdom of God and over the two years we know we can calculate we'll bring in 1.8 million dollars and that will fund what we're doing in everything we're doing here and abroad but to get to where we're trying to get to we would need to bring in about two million dollars more to get to where we're trying to get to that's to build the building we're trying to build this is going big that's literally just over twice of what we're actually bringing in right now now, let me show you the card that is also in your booklet, uh, your, 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 your workbook. This is the card that we've actually handed out. We handed it out last week. We're not asking you to fill it out right now. On Commitment Sunday is when we'll actually be filling it out. But just quickly, I want to make it clear what it is that we're actually doing. The first box, we're asking you to put in there, what is it that you normally give in one year, right? So put that number in. Maybe you know what that is. Maybe you need to calculate it. Maybe you can contact the office and they'll be happy to give you what you normally give in one year. Now, listen, if you don't give anything, 
Maybe because you haven't learned about what it is to be financially generous. Maybe you, maybe you haven't um, done this before. Maybe you haven't been brought up in this type of lifestyle. Maybe you just don't have the faith yet to do it and you've told yourself you don't have money. That's fine. You can put a zero though. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. We want you to know how much we love you, right? We're not here to bring condemnation to you. But on the second box, it says my additional annual generosity commitment. That's the amount that will not only that's, that's the amount that actually will help us to get where we're trying to get to. Now, if you put those two numbers together and then you multiply it by two, you'll actually have a total of what you would be committed to over the next two years. Now, there is another little box that says my, my stored resources gift. And that my stored resources gift is for many of you that maybe are very financially savvy. Maybe you have some stocks and maybe you'd like to actually donate some stocks. Maybe you should have done that a few weeks ago before the coronavirus made the stock market crash. But anyway, or maybe some of you have got a whole bunch of junk in your Garage. Is anyone with me on that one? Yeah, yeah. Wives, you can point at your husbands on that one. Too many tools sitting around, not getting used. You can use that. And then he can point out all the useless pillows that you bought as well in your house, right? So there's, there's on either side there. But well, maybe, maybe you do. I mean, I have a big object in my house the other day and I looked at him and I've never used that in two years. I should just get rid of it. And as I had said it in my mind, I realized I should just sell that and give it to the Go Big Fund. And let's do this one fund. Let's put it all into what God is trying to call us to do. There is stuff like that. Listen, there, you, maybe some of you even have a, a, a Christmas bonus or you have a, a work bonus that comes around every year. Maybe God will put it on your heart to actually give that as well. What we're doing is I'm asking you to take this card and to really treat it as one of a pivot point of what God is going to do in your life and what he's calling you to do. I'm asking you to pray over it because this is an important moment in our church and I believe it's an important moment in your life as well. Listen, you need to ask yourself this question. What would it look like for God to do something in me that would change me? What would it look like for me to give in such a way that it would change me? You see, the question I have for you this morning is not so much how much are you willing to give, it's more what are you not giving and why? What are you not giving and why? I'll tell you why I don't give. I often don't give when I'm challenged and it's simply because of this, it's a fear thing. When you think about it, we're talking about faith all this month. We're talking about the, the, the faith of Abraham. Well, if we're talking about the faith of Abraham, why are we talking about money in any way, shape, or form? I'll tell you why. Because our faith and our fear is always tied to and manifested in our finances. Is that right? Even Jesus, the number one topic that he talked about was money. You see, even Jesus said this. He said, where your treasure is, is where you're... Let me tell you, you're giving... Whether you like it or not, you may not be giving in, in, in a massive faith manner to the kingdom of God and to the things of God. But let me tell you, you're giving in faith every week. Some of you are giving huge amounts of money to your, 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 your cable TV bill. Some of you are giving huge amounts of money to Starbucks. Some of you are giving huge amounts of money to copious amounts of Doritos, right? Some of you are giving, in faith, you are giving money to something either for yourself or for other people. 
What I'm doing is I'm asking you to start praying about God. How do you want me to actually give your money? Now, I'm not asking you to fill out that card today. As something I'm asking you to take home and to pray about it and ask God, what do you want to do through me? Now, we have a few key dates that are coming up as a church. Last week, we started our uh, Go Big launch. And uh, on March the 27th, uh, we're actually having an advanced commitment night. What is that about? If you're a leader in our church or you're on a go team, or you want to be a leader, I'm encouraging you to come to that night where we're going to worship, we're going to pray together, and then we're going to actually make our commitments together. Why? Because the Bible says we, the leaders, must, come, must go first. That's what it says in First Chronicles. The leaders must go first. They must lead by example. Then, of course, on April 5th, it will be our public commitment Sunday. And then April 26th is when we'll have gathered in everything that we know we can gather in. And then we'll celebrate the, the way that God is actually moving through us. We'll celebrate what that big number is. How cool is that? If you're a new visitor, this is your first time. I'm here to tell you there's no obligation for you to do this. This is not a pressure zone whatsoever. Um, we're not that type of church. But I do believe that the opportunity knocks for us. That when you are being called, you, if you're a Christian or you're a Christ follower, I believe that you're called to live by faith as well. You're called to actually go big. Whether you do it here or in another church, you're still not exempt to go big. You need to go big in your faith as well. So today, let's look at today's teaching. We're going to be uh, reading from uh, chapter uh, chapter 12 of Genesis, but you can actually flip over in your workbook to page 28, page 28. And today we're going to be talking about going big and trusting me. Go big and trust me. That's what I believe, we believe that God is calling us to do today. Go big and trust me. Last week when we were looking at Abraham, we saw that Abraham was called out of a land and he was called to go to a land that God said he would give to him as we know as Canaan. And he said, I would, he said that God said that he would establish his covenant with Abraham to bless the, the world through Abraham. And that he, one day he would actually give him a son. Wow. Now the challenge that we saw last week was this. That Abraham, and it was, the scripture was very, very specific in this. That Abraham had to choose to leave his father's household. Now Why? Because I believe that we are called to go beyond whatever our parents have done. It's not necessarily an indictment on our parents that they're horrible or they're bad. I had very good parents. But, but every one of us is called to go to the next step in faith. To not live at the same standard as our parents. The greatest blessing you can give your parents is to become greater than them. Right? And so I believe, and even I was speaking with someone this week, and they said, did you know what uh, uh, Abraham's father's name was? His name was Terah. And I said, no, what is it? He said, loiterer. And I believe that God is calling us to move on from hesitation, from loitering, from the land that is called the land of crossroads, to make a decision to say, yes, I want to go big. I want to be completely invested in you, God, and what you're calling me to do. I'm willing to leave the comforts of my home and go to wherever it is that you're calling me to today. And today I want to read from Genesis chapter 12, continuing on in the story of Abraham, reading from 12, 10 to 13. And it says this, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. 
Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. And all God's people said, what? How crazy is this? What is going on? This is, this is, seems like, we, well, okay, there was a famine that was going on. We see that there was, a, there was a famine. And so therefore, to get to where God was calling Abram to, he actually had to take a detour to go into Egypt in order to just be survived, just to survive. So he was caught between a rock and a hard place. He had to survive. He was trying to do what God had called him to do. And yet on the other side, he had this stunningly, uh, be- stunning, beautiful woman, right? This, 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 uh, his wife was Sarah. It says that she was beautiful. She was 70 years old. How many ladies are in there? Yeah, I am just beautiful right there, right? She was an absolutely beautiful woman. And it says that he was scared that something was gonna happen to her as they were going into Egypt. And he's like, well, tell you what, let's just call you my sister, not even sister wife, right? I'll just call you my sister. How many of you wives would have said, listen, buddy, I'm going to kill you. Forget about the Egyptians, right? And he was caught between a rock and a hard place. And the two questions I had was, why did God let Abraham go into this trouble? Why would he let him go through the detour? What is the point? Have you ever been in that place where you've said, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why do I have to go through such trouble? Why do I have to go through such sickness, such poverty, such opposition, such hurt, such pain? Why me, God? The other question I have is, then why did Abraham come up with a calling your wife your sister solution? Well, no, this wasn't the first mistake he made. Let's, let's, let's calculate how many mistakes he made. Let's, let's gloat in the glory of seeing how much of a failure he was, right? Number one, we just read it in Genesis chapter 12. It says that he called his wife his sister to protect himself, and she was ready to kill him. Here's the second mistake that we see in his journey. He slept with his wife's servant, Hagar, to get a child. Now, years later, it was actually Sarah's idea. And she said, listen, we obviously were getting old. I'm like 90 years old now and we're not having children. Why don't you just sleep with my maidservant and then we'll call that our child. And he went, okay, can you imagine if you had said okay to something like that? That'd be the second time that your wife would kill you. But no, 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 that wasn't the last time that he made a mistake. His wife hated Hagar. And she started to abuse Hagar. And instead of, a, instead of protecting his maidservant, instead of protecting even his son Ishmael, he allowed his wife to abuse them. His third way that he fell, the third way that he made a mistake. Here's the fourth one. He laughed at God when God came to him and said, I want to remind you, I will bring my promise through you. And it says that he and his wife laughed. And I don't mean, oh, that's a good one. That's funny. I mean, ha! scoffed in the face of God. You can't afford to scoff in the face of God when God is telling you what he's gonna do through you. Here's the last one he did. In Genesis chapter 20, again, he was faced with a king and he was scared of the king that the king would take his wife and would kill him, that he again called his wife his sister. Now, how many of you have ever been in the place that you've made a mistake years ago or even just last week and you said to yourself, I'll never do that again. And then you find yourself doing it again. And then you beat yourself up even more because you realize how much you have failed yourself, your God, your family, your future, because you did it again. All these challenges are bringing up these fears that are within you. They brought up all these fears within Abraham. 
But what is it that we can learn from Abram's journey here? There are three things that I believe that we can learn from Abram's journey. And the first one is this, that God grows our faith by testing it. This answers the question of, God, did you let that, why did you let that happen to me? Were you the one that made that happen? Why would you allow me to go through that? I'll tell you why. Because testing is the thing that makes your faith grow. It's like a muscle. Look at the size of my muscle, right? You're probably thinking, well, he doesn't work out much. That's true, right? How many of you have been, have been to the gym before? It's a bit like you've gone to the gym and you walk home and you're like, oh, that just feels good, right? You know the people who say that that feels good? Those are the ones that are working out all the time. Those of you amongst us who are the weekend warriors, you go to the gym and you come out of the gym going, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's so terrible. It's like when my wife comes back from the gym and then she'll walk in the door and she'll go, don't touch me. Why? Because her muscles are sore. And all I want to do is just poke her leg muscle because I knew it was leg day. It's like, ah, it hurts so much. Listen, the difficulties that we go through, do you know why it's so painful for you? Because you don't get your faith tested enough. It's difficult and it's a challenge for you because you're not constantly growing your faith. You're not living in faith. And so when you do go through a challenge where your faith is actually stretched, your response is not as good as you think it is. You're actually responding in pain. How many have you trusted God and it actually got worse? How many have you got got, uh, uh, tested by God and the pain just came upon your life? But for God to use you, things can't go your way. They must go God's way. It's not your way. It's not my way. It's Yahweh. If God is going to be able to do what it is that he wants for humanity through you, then he has to make you resilient. He has got to get you to the place to have enough faith to be able to say yes. It's about growing your faith muscles so that you have the ability to carry more load for the kingdom of God. Number two, number two, God is willing to crush us. This is maybe bad news for you. Maybe you were hoping you were going to walk away with such amazing encouragement. But let me tell you, this is not uh, 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 birds and butterflies and petals here at Northwest Church. We want to tell you the truth that God is willing to crush you. If he's willing to crush his son on the cross, then he's willing to crush you as well. Even Jesus said it, take up your cross and follow me. But God, why would God make him wait so long? Here's Abram that was told at 70 years old that he would have a child, but God waited 25 to 30 years before he actually gave him his child, Isaac. Why would God wait so long? I'll tell you why. Because making a child is easy. Changing a heart is hard. God can't force your heart to change. He can't just snap his fingers and suddenly you're all obedient. Suddenly you're all faithful. Suddenly you're all at peace in your life. He has to help us to learn how to trust him. Listen, if Abram got his reward immediately, he would have increased in his happiness, but not in his faith. He would have increased in his happiness. Listen, I looked at a statistic recently and it said when they were asking parents, what is the number one thing you want for your children? Do you know what the answer was? I wish them to just be happy. I just want them to be happy. If your desire for your children is for them to just be happy, you are cheating your children out of the experiences that come from trials. We cheat our kids when we don't let them experience trials because then it doesn't allow them to learn how to respond in faith. We cheat our children when we don't even show them how to respond in faith. 
We need to allow our children to go through difficult times because happiness will come and go. But the Bible says one thing remains, faith, hope, and love. The first thing there on that list was faith. We have to grow in in faith. We have to grow in a hope, in a salvation of Jesus Christ through the cross of Christ. We have to grow in our love of God and of our neighbors as well. Listen, if we haven't taught our children how to be resilient, if we haven't taught them how to survive through difficult times, if we haven't shown them how to wait, you know what they'll do is they'll find out that one thing is worse than waiting and it's this, wishing you had waited. How many of you ever been in the position You want to shortcut the process. You wanted to push through to the end. You wanted to get what you wanted, what you wanted, what you wanted, and you pushed it through to the end. And now you're living in regret because you wish you had waited. You wish you had been like Abraham and had waited 25 to 30 years. Let God break you. Let him crush you. Let him have his way. If you want the things of God, let him have his way. Number three, this is the last point this morning. Number three. God wants to prove that he is totally trustworthy. He wants to prove that he is totally trustworthy. Now, there was actually a sixth test that Abraham went through. And that test was when God came back to him about 30 years later, after he had given him, Abram, as given him his son Isaac. And after 30 years, he came to Abram and he said, I want you to give me your son. I want you to sacrifice my son. Now, listen, I get it. This is crazy stories, right? We don't live in the days when we're putting children on altars, but in those days they did. And God literally said, I want you to sacrifice my son. And I get it, it's crazy, but we'll talk about that story in the coming weeks. But what my question is with this is where did Abraham get the faith to do that? Where did he get the faith to say yes to God? What if God asked you for your most precious thing in your life? What if he asked you for your dream job? What if he asked you for your child? What if he asked you for your future and all the dreams and the desires that you have of how things will happen in your life? What if he decided and said, no, no, I don't want you to do it. This happened to me years ago when I was about 19 or 20 years old and I knew my my desire was to become an artist. I wanted to be a painter. I wanted to be a graphic designer. My passion was art. I used to paint all the time. In fact, I was was trained. I uh, uh, I used to have a very good relationship with one of the most famous artists in Scotland and and all I wanted to do was become like him. He was an old man, very, very famous, John uh, McIntosh Patrick. And... um, I loved him and I loved walking his dog with him and I just desired to do this and I grew up and I used to be in competitions and honestly, I'm not trying to boast here, but I used to win more of the competitions than I lost them. That was my desire. That's what I wanted to do. And then one day I knew that as I was going off to Bible college, I'd said to God, I said, Jesus, if you don't want me to get into, sorry, into art college, if you don't want me to get art college, then close the door. And sure enough, he closed the door and I said, I should never have prayed that prayer. I wish I'd never prayed that prayer at that time. And, and I knew that God was saying, I don't want you to do this. And I'm like, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. I don't want you to do this. And so I did go off to Bible college and I said this, and I said, fine, I will give up my desire to be an art, but I will never become a pastor. Yeah, I know. You get to laugh at me because I get to laugh at you someday when you get to, this, the, t- the table's gonna change, right? I'll never be a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to go down that road. Let me ask you this question. How do you respond to the things that God is asking you to give? How have you responded when God has asked you to give something that is precious to you? 
Now, let me back up a minute here, right? Let me back up from, from, from just that question. Because remember, we're looking at Abraham's journey to his complete faith. In Genesis chapter 14, there was a story that happened. I just want to create this context before we find out what happened here, right? There were four kings that were attacking five kings. And in the middle of that battle, Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham and his family, were taken into slavery. And they were, and then they, they were taken into slavery, which is a horrific thing. Abraham heard about this and he said, uh-uh, I'm not gonna let that happen. So he had grown his tribe quite significantly and he had 318 men under his command. And he said, we're going after my, lot, my, my nephew Lot. Now, you think four kings probably had thousands of warriors. And with God's, with God's favor upon them, they were able to chase down these four kings, defeat them and take his son, his, his nephew Lot back and take his family back. And the other thing they were able to do is they were able to actually enrich themselves and they actually came away very, very rich people, okay? So Abraham takes his 318 men, he routes the four kings that had beaten the, fifth, the five kings, he rescues his nephew Lot and he makes his men rich. And here's where we're gonna get to in chapter 15 of Genesis. Here's the pivot point I'm trying to get to. After this, after all that happened, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, do not be afraid. That's interesting because he had just beaten four kings. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But here's Abram's response to him. He said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Can you feel the frustration that is in his voice? He said, I give and I give and I give. I trusted you. I've rescued my nephew Lot. I've risked my own life. I've enriched my tribe. I've come to a land that I don't own. I don't know anybody here. I've given and I've given and I've given. Where's my reward? Years ago, this very thing happened to me about, about uh, 15 years ago when uh, no, actually, longer than that. And, 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 and my father had just died of cancer. And as a church, we really didn't have any money. We didn't have a lot of people in the church, but I knew God had called me over here to work under uh, Dr. Crystal and Pastor Mark. And, 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 I, and I could feel the, the burden and the pressure upon me that we wanted to have children, but didn't have any money. Some weeks we were actually withholding our checks. And I'm not trying to complain about the difficulties I went through because what Pastor Mark and Dr. Crystal went through was a much greater sacrifice than I have ever done. But I was at the place where I was, I was missing my father and I knew I wanted to have children and I knew that they wouldn't actually ever meet ever in this life and I knew I had to go buy a house and I was walking at three o'clock in the morning and I was angry with God and I said, you're the worst paying boss. And it finally came out of me. If something had welled up inside of me, it was a resentment towards God. I didn't even want to be a pastor. I can't even pay my bills. I can't do the things that I have desires for and I'm dreaming for. You're the worst paying boss. What do you want me to do now? What else do I have to give? But at that moment, I know that God was rooting out a resentment. He was rooting out a distrust that I had in the Father. You see, I didn't trust God as much as I thought I had. Because in the back of my mind, my mind, there was a plan B to go back to Scotland and start again. 
And it wasn't until I gave him the last thing on my plate, it was fine, God, take my entire life, take Scotland, take my family, take it all. I got nothing left. You know the beautiful thing about what God said to Abraham is that God didn't rebuke Abraham. He could have said, you think I'm not faithful? You have let me down five different times. You let your wife down. You've let your tribe down. You let your family down. You've let your future down. You've let your history down. And you're trying to tell me I'm not faithful? God didn't say that. Do you know what he did? He decided to make a contract with Abram. And he said, bring a cow, bring a goat, bring a dove, bring a pigeon, bring them all, bring them to here. And I want you to cut them in two. I know this is getting weird, right? I want you to cut them two and let the blood flow out and separate them. And then God manifested himself in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of smoke and he walked right through the middle of those animals and then he reiterated not only his promise to Abraham, but he said, let me show you how many children you will have. And he showed them the stars in the sky and he showed them the sand on the ocean. He said, and your children will outnumber all the stars that are in the sky. It will outnumber them. And what God did right there was he made a covenant with God, with, with Abram. He made a contract with them. In fact, the word cut, when he said, cut the animals in two, the word cut literally means contract. That's why today, when you're making a deal, you say, let's cut a deal together. 2,000 years later, God was faithful to us once again and he would make another deal with us and he would allow his son to be cut upon a cross and he said, this is my promise to you for an eternal life and for a relationship that will be reconciled between you and me. I will give you my son to be cut upon a cross. I will make a contract because I am faithful. People of God, we have to understand, we can fall seven times, but the, but the Proverbs say this, that when a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up seven times. Why? Because he believes in the faithfulness of his God. You see, our confidence isn't to move in faith. It doesn't come from who we are, but for who he is. Our faith to go big is because he's faithful. My boldness doesn't come from me not falling. It comes from me getting up because he is faithful. Get up again. Have you fallen? Have you sinned? Have you, have you walked away from God? Have you, have you stumbled? Have you lost your faith in any type of manner? Is there anything that has died or diminished where you have failed this week? Get up again in the name of Jesus. Get up again. Get up because God is faithful. He is taking you to something greater and he wants to do something great through you for the kingdom of God. The question is, are you in? Do you want to go all big on this? Do you want to go big? Do you want to be the one that says, yes, God, use me? Are you with me, people of God? Let's stand this morning as we end our service. You've got your workbook. Work through it. You've got your prayer card. Put your prayers down there. And ask God, what do you want from me? Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that is in this room. What do you want from them, God? What do you want from me and my wife and my household? What do you want to do through me and in me? What do you want, Lord?
And over these next few years, Father, I pray you, the next few weeks, I pray that you would start to reveal to each and every one of us what you want from us. Because we want to be found faithful. Because we know that you are a faithful Father. You've given us the promise of the cross. You've given us the promise of what Jesus has done. We know we can trust you. So help us to live in that type of faith. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.